It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. As I mentioned today, joined by Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner, their lead draft analyst, the head honcho for the draft guide over PFF. And we'll get into some of the strengths and weaknesses of this year's draft class. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. If you need another listen, you can go check out Mike's podcast over with PFF and Mike thanks for joining us today it's it's weird I feel like usually I'm asking you for a podcast appearance in late November early December at least since I've been doing this and here we are in late February the first time we've talked about the draft at any length on this podcast because what you said before we started recording you're down to the banks the Bengals have made a Super Bowl run and we were a little bit distracted yes uh, I wish my prediction last time I was on the show here could have come true, but still picking 31st overall. Like you are saying, the guys you probably heard of, if you haven't done much draft stuff, they're not even going to be there. So you got to dig a little bit deeper this year if you're a Bengals fan. Yeah, it's it's uh, certainly more of a challenge. But let's uh, let's dive in a little bit with the topic that's going to be the topic for the next six months, going into training camp and going into the regular season in 2022. Offensive line-wise, Mike, how is this draft – where is it strongest? Will th- will there be anyone at 31 offensive line-wise that you think can help this Bengals team? I-, I think it's a really good tackle class. But that being said, will they make the 31? I don't know. Uh, there's five guys <laughs> I really like in this class uh, that I think are surefire. Probably like three guys that are top 10 sort of guys, two other guys who are like top 20 sort of guys. But then that's kind of it in this tackle class. Whether it's uh, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, Icky Aquanu, NC State, Evan Neal from Alabama, they're not falling to the Bengals. Those guys, there's no chance. The guys you're hoping for are Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan and Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, some small school offensive tackles that can move, that have the requisite athletic ability that maybe not necessarily the most NFL-ready um, in some regards, but I think have probably a quicker learning curve than your average smaller school tackle. I wouldn't call either of them, you know, big projects by any means like they'd, they're starting both of them right out the gate so five very good tackles but it's like in a week ish sort of draft class with not a ton of qb talent not a ton of blue chip type of talent you're going to see a lot of o-line d-line coming off the board so i'm not sure any of those top tackles end up making this with Bengals. yeah it's kind of an interesting class from a positional strength perspective let's stay on those two tackles really quick before we talk tyler linderbaum and the potential for a center to fall in the draft as they have historically at times but but raymond is a guy that is really interesting because the bengals drafted marcus hunt and there are some similarities between those two guys but it sounds like from, from the things that i've read so far raymond from a from a rawness perspective is a guy that came in and very early in his football playing career period i guess showed some impressive technique at the tackle position. 
Yeah, this guy, that's why I said I don't think he's a project. I mean, truthfully, technique-wise and just consistency-wise, he's the best of this bunch. Like, And now that's, again, against lesser competition. And it's a different animal when you do, you know, take a jump up. And he kind of saw that senior bowl. He wasn't uh, lights out by any means in the one-on-ones. But, like, this guy is very consistent, takes coaching very well, and has made such massive strides in only two years. And, like, you even see it from the beginning of last season to the end, how much he's improved that, yes, he's older, 24 years old, but, like, where could this guy be with – but it's not – I think there's, like, a difference between him and Marcus Hunt in that, like, he – Marcus Hunt was also a lot older. Marcus Hunt was, like, 27, right, when he got drafted? Is that right? I don't, I don't think he was 27. I'll, I'll check like, on that while you continue talking about Raymond. But he was like older, but Raymond, like for a technical position, like off the tackle, he's only been there two years. Like he was a wide receiver in high school for one year as an exchange student and then two years of offensive tackle at Central Michigan. So it's a little bit different in terms of like rawness, in terms of you know being behind the curve than everyone else. And that's the thing. It's like he's not even behind the curve. For only blocking for two years at the tackle position, he has some of the best technique in any of these guys, which is scary to think what two more years he'll look like. He was he was 25 when he was drafted. He turned 26, okay. though I believe, as a rookie. So you're you're pretty close. Yeah, that's that's that, gonna which haunt is, me. Go ahead, there. go ahead. Mike. That's up there. That's that's about as old as you'll see from a you know any position. <laughs> they were looking at. That's always gonna haunt me. They were looking at uh, Tyron Matthew. I know in that draft, and opted Ooh. to go with Marcus Hunt. And uh, who? What a whiff that one was. Anyways, um, they, they whiffed at center the last time they picked the center in the first round. So let's ask you uh, about the top center in this draft class. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, is there any chance he makes it to 31? What do you like about him and what do you not like about him, the center out of Iowa? I think there's a chance. Center's not that coveted a position, but but he's so good that one it all takes is one one team always seemingly drafts a center in the first round that he'll go before 31 i think he's one of the best centers we've ever scouted probably the best center honestly we've done since we started doing this 2015 draft now that's he's not the most versatile center like this he's a center only he's undersized there are issues with his game he's not a perfect prospect he's not just like all around, put him in the Hall of Fame already. Quentin Nelson type of prospect where it's just like, didn't really matter what you're going to ask Quentin Nelson to do. He was going to be able to do it. Um, but man, it, it is a zone-heavy scheme. Like what the Bengals do, he is perfect for that offense. Uh, very athletic. And, and and like I said, not as limited as some people would suggest at his size. To me, it reminds me a lot of Jason Kelsey, um, the Eagle Center. So, yeah, I, I would think it's a pipe dream for him to last 31 with how good of a center prospect he is. It's like it's night and day in terms of quality versus him versus Billy Price or even like a Frank Rag now coming out who's turned out to be good as well. That's that's high praise because I remember we loved Ragnow coming out before yeah. that pick was you know leaked or whatever. He was sniped, whatever theory you'd like to subscribe to. Any concerns about his measurables for Linderbaum listed at 290? is said by some he's going to measure smaller than Billy Price, who has infamously, for Bengals fans, had issues lunging, trying to make up for length. Does any of that show up? And and further, when you look at the AFC North with some of the, the guys that are on the interior, and I'm thinking Cam Hayward specifically, how does he hold up with that sort of power? Yeah, there's going to be, you know, people are going to compare him to Garrett Bradbury and the fact that Bradbury's been a liability in pass protection, but like Bradbury's liability in pass protection, even Dave back to NC State. He wasn't that good. 
in that regard. Whereas Linderbaum, he's not perfect across the board in pass protection. Like if he's bad anywhere, or not bad anywhere. If he has some bad reps anywhere, it is in pass protection. But there's so few and far between. And, and a lot of his issues, I believe, in pass protection are fixable. Like despite being undersized, he moves people. He is a former wrestler. I mean, this dude beat Tristan Wirfs back in the day in a wrestling match, which Tristan Wirfs has no problems moving people. I I think that Tyler Linderbaum, like I said, any sort of gripes or negatives to his game are very minor in nature that I'm not too worried about. We'll continue our conversation with Mike next, but first, a word from betonline.net. Football season might be over well, basketball is full steam ahead, both in the pro and college game, and get all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and more at betonline.net. The number one spot for your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of the scores, news, and more. So make sure you check them out. It's not just basketball, by the way. They got boxing, UFC, hockey, all in one spot. BetOnline.net. It's easy to use. Check them out today. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Mike, let's continue on the offensive line here for, for I guess, another couple players to talk about. Any tackle to guard transitions that are in this class that might be fallers, thinking specifically about Darian Kennard maybe a little bit there. And then just as far as the interior class for the Bengals, and I think they're looking at free agency for this. We're hoping they're looking at free agency for this, right, in, in a big way. But Kenyon Green, I see, is the top-graded or top-ranked guard on your big board currently but zion johnson mm-hmm. i think picked up a lot of steam at the senior bowl right so how about those three guys yeah so the kind of realistic positional fit that i think will make it to 31 that you can have a good shot at making the 31 is one of those last two guys mentioned with kenyon green zion johnson where i i think the value would make sense both those guys kenyon green i like a, a little bit more than zion johnson i think he's a little more versatile and could even play tackle in a pinch. He even played tackle this past year. Actually, both left and right tackle for Texas A&M. Um, is a younger guy, only a junior coming out. And I, I think he got hurt by the fact that he was jostled around some four different positions this past year at Texas A&M. So I, I, I think that would be like your ideal scenario, ideal realistic scenario is Kenny Green. I, I really like this game. It's a really powerful and explosive offensive lineman. It's kind of scratching the surface of what it can be. As you can hear, maybe my dog scratching himself behind me. Sorry. Uh, but... Zion Johnson, very NFL ready. Um, I think day one, he is going to be probably like a top three offensive lineman in this class. I just worry about maybe he's capped. He's not quite the athlete that the other guys are in this class. He's a fifth year coming out of Boston College. But that guy, you can plug in at guard tomorrow, and he will will be an upgrade for the Bengals. And that's something that, obviously, they're going to covet. So those two guys, I think, would be great. That's 31. The tackle guard converse in this class, there's a number of them. Darren Kennard's. 
a monster, but that guy is still a project, even at guard. Like his hands are just way too wide. He has this unbelievable frame for offensive line in general. He has eleven and a half inch hands, thirty-four plus inch arms, one of the most powerful offensive linemen, a nasty dude, but like very but he's kind of reminiscent of even like a Jackson Carmen coming out, which is gonna be not what you want to hear <laughs> as a Bengals fan. Um that he's just year one's going to be a complete rebuild of how he takes his pass sets, how he approaches blocks, like a lot of bad habits on his tape that just are going to get exposed when he gets to the NFL level. So he's kind of a physical project that, like you said, the Bengals aren't quite in the position where they want to be taking physical projects. If, I, if I'm doing a tackle guard comper in this class on the Bengals and hoping like back ends. So those are like the guys I mentioned are the round one possibilities that you would even think about there. I don't think there's any other, like I said, tackle guard convert that's even in the conversation for pick 31. And I wouldn't even put Kennard in that conversation. He'd be a day two guy. But the guy you'd want probably back into the second or hope maybe he's there at the third is, to me, Georgia's Jamari Salyer, 69th player on the PFF draft board. So kind of right in that, like I said, back into the second round, maybe even hope he falls to you at the third. But he played tackle. He played all over at Georgia, but mostly tackle this past year. Looked very good at guard at the Senior Bowl. Powerful dude. Uses his hands really well. That I think with how much football he's played against competition he's played against, he's a guy that could probably step in for you day one. And like I said, not be that liability that you have to scheme around like we saw this past year. Yeah, that's the nightmare, right? Is if they they pick more or use more draft assets and still have to scheme around it and it's an issue so uh what, what uh in mike renner joining us in pro football focus what other prospects or potential positions outside of offensive line do you think realistically could be the best player available at 31 that's a good question i, I think they've done a lot to address the defensive line i think that's where a lot of value i see in this class is going to be around pick 31 off the edge and now, again, that's not a position that the Bengals necessarily need, but you can always fit more pass rushers on the football field. No one's going into that's a true. game saying, no, we can't add another pass rusher. So this is a deep edge rushing class, in my opinion. There will probably be a bunch of guys come off the board prior to the Bengals pick. Yeah, I, I assume guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, George Karloftis, Trayvon Walker, David Jabo, Jermaine Johnson, like six guys will be gone by then. But even still, you have guys like... Boye Mafe, um, DeMarvin Leal, Kingsley and Nagbury. You have a number of guys who fall between like 30 and 45 in the PFF draft board that would make sense there towards the end of the first round that can actually get after the passer. So that's a that's a really strong position in this class. I, I think the Bengals could also use a corner, but I'm not sure corner value is necessarily going to be there. To me, I see there's four cornerbacks in this class that I really want somewhere in the first top 50 picks, and then that's it. So, like, Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie, Ahmad Gardner, Andrew Booth, and then that's kind of, like, it for this corner class. So I'm not sure that the value will necessarily be there. And I'll say this is a linebacker class that I really like, but I think the Bengals just set a linebacker for once. Like, we've been talking about the need for forever, and I think they actually developed a couple guys to fill that and finally don't have to be looking to linebacker position anymore in this draft. Which is exciting for me, of course, because of how I feel about the value of the linebacker position. Devontae Wyatt, a guy I mentioned before we started recording, is a guy that has some three-tech juice. Is there anybody else that kind of fits that role? Because Larry Ogunjobi, injured, may or may not be back in Cincinnati, kind of has his ups mm -hmm. and downs, right? Is there somebody that fits that bill as a three-tech who can provide some penetration, some pass rush up the middle? 
it, Wyatt's far and away the best in that regard in terms of three tech in this class. He's DT1 PFS board. And there's not another true three technique on the board until 52 overall, and that's Logan Hall from Houston. And even he's kind of like an athletic project that I'm not sure is really making much of an impact next year. So that it's a weak defensive tackle class, probably one of the weakest we've seen back to back week years for DTs. But if you're looking for a three tech, you might just be SOL this year. Yeah, which means probably resign, maybe resign Larry Ogunjobi. We'll see. And that, that's the thing the balance of free agency in the draft is something that uh, the Bengals have done a good job at in recent years, but we'll see if, if they can do it again. Um, they might even, wise, I mean, they could even get Cam Sample playing three tech. I, I liked him, his tape coming out. Uh, was it Tulane? I, I think he could be yeah. developed into that guy. Yeah, that they, they used him uh, inside a little bit this year when they needed to, and they needed a little depth there. So, yeah, I, I think that they, we could certainly see that. Um, as far as the cornerbacks go, you said there's four guys. Is it really that thin? Because it, if it is that thin, here's what I'm hearing, and I'm just trying to marry the two together, Mike. That tells me the Bengals are going to sign a corner in free agency that they think can start <laughs> because I, I doubt that they're going to go into it thinking we have to take a corner at 31 and they only have one pick in the top 50. I wouldn't say it's completely that thin. Like there are guys that will be drafted somewhere in that range. Like, so Kyer Elam from Florida, Kyler Gordon from Washington, who's probably going to blow up the combine, Roger McCreary from Auburn. Like, I think those three guys will go somewhere in the mm-hmm. top 50 picks. But I want one of the top four is what I'm saying. Like one of the, the, the top four in this class, those top four guys can like legitimately – all be cornerback ones, whereas the rest, I think, have some level of uncertainty in one way, shape, or form that I wouldn't be banging the table for. So, so ideally, you know, you get an Andrew Booth fall to you, but the other guys are more like profile as corner, like number two corners uh, in my eyes, which isn't the worst thing in the world. The Bengals, you already got Cheeto Bayouzi is fine as you're like number one. So uh, you, that still, I guess, would be an option for them. I'm hearing a lot of it's not a great fit from a value position perspective. So maybe we should take a step back here to wrap things up and we'll do that coming up next. We'll talk about where the value is in this draft and and where maybe it's just a weak draft class. Mike, you'll tell us about that in just a minute. But first a word from Bilt Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. Perfect for you. Whether you're looking for a post-workout protein punch, maybe You just want a healthy snack as you go about your day in between business meetings. You can check them out at Built.com. They have a bunch of different flavors for you, and they taste awesome because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So check them out right now at Built.com. Check out the macros. They have everything listed right there. So you can not only look at the different flavors, but find the bar that's right for you. And when you go to make that first purchase, use promo code LOCK15 you'll get 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off, use promo code LOCK15 at Bill.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Mike. So you've talked a little bit about linebackers. I'm getting the feeling that it's another good receiver class. People like last year's class. Seems like receiver classes have been pretty consistently good for a few years now. But when you look at this class from a high level, not so great at corner, not very deep in the offensive trenches from what I'm hearing from you. So where is the strength of this class? Or in your opinion, is this just looking like a a relatively weak class, which Honestly, I got to say, it's not something I was expecting after the the smaller class we had last year with all the guys choosing to go for one more year at school. I, I do think it is a down-ish year. And some of that's that there's no real quarterbacks that are going to be going top 15 or that should be going top 15 or like are those real deal guys. Um, the positions that are strong, though, that like I think the value will be there at 31 linebacker wide receiver edge like those are the positions that i think are deep i guess not strong but deep that have like a lot of guys that are talented in that first to second round range and again it's like those are not necessarily where the Bengals need where i I like i like the tap class but like i said i think it's like five deep i like the corner class but like i said it's like four deep where i just think a lot of positions will kind of be you know you'll be fighting for scraps by the end of the first round outside of wide receiver linebacker and edge it sounds funny to say this, and I think our listeners will, especially since we haven't talked a lot of draft, um, but one of the Bengals needs, it, to me, and it's outside of the big three, but it's receiver. I think they need a fourth receiver, and you certainly can find that, hopefully, in the draft versus paying one in free agency. What's it? Uh, what's this receiver class look like, like late day two, early day three, based on your projections? Uh, the interesting thing about this receiver class is that the day two guys, I feel like last year, the the second round was all gadget wide receivers. You had a bunch of guys who were like a five nine. You had Rondale Moore, you had Elijah Moore, you had you know uh, Dwayne Eskridge, you had Tutu Atwell. All guys who were just like not they were going to have to play a certain role for you. Whereas this year, the second round, third round, it's all like bigger wide receivers. You got. George Pickens from Georgia, who's like 6'3". You have Justin Ross from Clemson, who's 6'4". David Bell from Purdue, 6'2". Um, I, I do think the depth into day two is a lot more guys who can profile as outside wide receivers, actual you know number two or number threes in your offense, as opposed to just pure slots or pure gadget guys. So I really like the depth of wide receiver into day two. I'll throw Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama into there and Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. So there's a lot of bigger dudes in this wide receiver class that will be available, like I said, back in the second round, back in the third round. Replacing Auden Tate with Justin Ross is not something I expected to be talking about in 2022, especially the way Justin Ross started his career. Like in 2019, his first year at Clemson, I'm like, yeah, this dude's going to be the first wide receiver picked when he's eligible to, to get drafted. Of course, he's dealt with injuries. Uh, speaking that of was past- 18. That was, the, that was the same year as Jamar Chase. His freshman year was the same freshman year as Jamar Chase. And like no one in the right mind would have been like, yeah, Jamar Chase over Justin Ross at that point. Ross was the dude. Right, because he had the, the injury redshirt year, yeah. which is why he's a junior, not a redshirt junior, right? Is yeah. That- yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the other offensive positions because Bengals fans like their weapons, of course. The, the Jamar Chase over Penesul Hive was loud and proud and turns out they were also correct. 
CJ Uzama is a free agent. There's no one else really on this team right now at tight end who you have a lot of confidence in in the receiving part of the game. Pretty stacked group of tight ends, of course, in free agency. So maybe they go that route. But looking at the draft as we are today, doesn't seem like a very strong tight end class, Mike. Are there any guys that you like as athletic upside kind of picks? It's a weird tight end class in that there's probably going to be about eight to 10 come off the board somewhere in the back end of the third round and then the fourth round. It's like where all the tight ends end up falling in this class because there's a lot of guys with ball skills, size that just run like a four seven five. That's that's this tight end class is all <laughs> non athletes, and so that's not what really what you want. You know, that's Drew Samples of the world. They're Drew Samples. They don't do much for you in your offense. They are placeholders a lot of the times, so and it's like, yeah, you still need one for most offenses, but you can set your sights a little higher. The the guys I would highlight in this class that have actual Juice, some juice to him, some athleticism. Trey McBride from Colorado State, he's going to be the first tight end selected. I would bet good money on that, but he's probably going to be like a mid-day two, mid-second round type of guy. So I don't think that's – the Bengals would be crazy to use a pick on a guy that high, in my opinion, at the tight end position. The guys that are going to be more back into the third, could even go into the fourth, is Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is interesting. He never really inline blocked Coastal Carolina. He was basically a slot receiver, but is Definitely going to be athletic, but still undersized at 241 pounds, but has a good receiving background. Uh, one of the most productive receiving college football this mm-hmm. past year. Him, I will throw in Greg Dolchich from UCLA, who's a converted wide receiver to tight end. Still another guy undersized. Probably, he's probably not as athletic as likely or McBride, but still has some athleticism to him and pass catching ability. He's probably set a fourth round type of guy. Um, and then the last one is Derek Deese from San Jose State, who is really undersized in the 230 somewhere, but actually holds up well as a blocker despite that size and probably should test fairly well to combine athletically. But like I said, it's a lot of non-athletes. And even those guys that highlighted, like there's no – if I don't think any of them going to run the four fives. Like there's no, there's no George Kittle waiting in the wings. There's no high-level athletes here in the starting class, sadly. I think a sneaky need, Mike, for the Bengals, and maybe they franchise tag Jesse Bates. I think they will if they don't get a long-term deal done. But Von Bell entering the last year of his deal with safety. Uh, is safety, how is that uh, as a position group in this class? So I didn't really touch on that, but that's one position that I think the value could make a lot of sense at 31. That Kyle oh. Hamilton from Notre Dame is one guy who's like, he's top five, top 10, yep. not going to worry about him. But then after that... <laughs> There may not be another true first rounder. Like, the safety is always odd because of how the NFL values it. But there's like three guys I like right at the back end of the first round who I really don't see mocked in the first round a ton. One is Jalen Petrie from Baylor, who basically played slot cornerback at Baylor, but he was was the Big 12 player of the year, defensive player of the year. Just, I think one of the tight ends at the senior ball, it was Cole Turner, tight end from Nevada, said, he was the hardest guy to block. He faced all week. Faced some defensive ends, faced defense tackles, but this 195-pound safety was the hardest guy to block. So, love his game. He's safety, two on PFF's board. Then Lewis Seen from Georgia, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, Daxton Hill from Michigan are all, like I said, in that back end of the first round, all probably should be top 50 to top 60 picks. But depending on how they test, depending on what you want in your defense, I, I wouldn't hate drafting any of those guys at pick 31. 
Sounds like a year, Mike, where the Bengals should do something they, they've never really done and trade 31 for Laramie Tunzel or something like that. You know, you're, you're not selling <laughs> on this draft class very hard. And I know that's not what we're asking you to do, but it's a good primer, I think. And it doesn't seem to be a perfect fit. Like you're kind of hoping a guy falls here or there, hoping to get some depth or developmental players. And for a team that just made a Super Bowl run and, and is looking to get back there, doesn't seem like a great fit. Is Is that... Would would you agree with that kind of summary? I do not often sort of champion trading picks for players because, you know, free agency still exists. You can go out and sign a tackle um, right. and, and keep your first round pick often. So, like, if Teron Armstead's available, like, go sign a Teron Armstead. But unique scenario that the Bengals are in where you can sign a Teron Armstead and you can trade for a Laramie Tunsil. You know, like you can do both with the cap space they have and really <laughs> fix this thing overnight. And it's something that's like Joe Burrow ruined year one with an ACL injury. Not, not he didn't ruin year one, but like the offensive line, the fact that he was under so much heat, ruined year one. Basically robbed them of a Super Bowl or given them any chance in the Super Bowl year two with that offensive line. So at this point in year three, with the rest of this roster as it is, you got to fix it. Like You got to do whatever it takes. And, you know, Riley Reef, one Riley Reef ain't cutting it. One, you know, one plug, one whatever. Brandon Scherf on the guard ain't cutting it. You know, you have to do some big things along this offensive line. So, yeah, I, I am all for it with the roster that they have right now and just how glaring that issue is. It is I like that. Do both. Do both. Do both. We're, we're going to print the I, Do both. <laughs> Get, that'll get fix your O-line. I'll just say, that'll fix your O-line. You get Larry Tunsil yeah. and Ron Armstead in the fold, you fix your O-line. Can, jo- can Jonah Hill play guard? He did at Alabama. Go back to that scouting report. Jonah, Jonah Williams. What did I say? Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Hill. That's <laughs> great. Can he play guard? Jonah Hill? Get him out of Hollywood? He can play guard. He can play, he can play whatever. That's Mike Venner. Thanks for the primer, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, I know we got into free agency a little bit there at the end, but it, it is a really interesting draft class and, and position for the Bengals to be in where I'm sitting here thinking like, if you do keep your draft picks, go BPA. You, you said you don't really see edges in need for this team. And I've been saying if an edge guy is there, add juice to the pass rush because you know I'm expecting or hoping that this team gets aggressive in free agency. So a pretty interesting class from that perspective. Doesn't sound like the value need matchup is there as much as it was for this team last year, where we were talking about the wide receiver offensive line combo in rounds one and two. Of course, Jackson Carmen didn't have a great rookie season. We'll see how that goes in year two, as he was a young guy coming out as well, but appreciate the time and the introduction to the draft class, Mike. And are you doing anything really interesting in the next couple of weeks with the combine coming up for, for draft stuff at PFF? We'll just be at the Combine doing our tailgate podcast and maybe some shows there, but TBD on that. Nothing too big coming up here for me. Just a new draft guide dropping, a new draft guide update dropping in a few weeks here. So that's about all. Love the draft guide. You can check that out at pff.com. You can find Mike at pff underscore Mike. And well, let's just hope they overhaul this offensive line and get it ready to go for 2022 because I tell you what, we're going to talk about this in future shows, Mike. Speaking of a PFF thing, his intermediate numbers in the PFF QB annual that also just came out were fantastic. And my personal theory is that the Bengals weren't able to go as much that intermediate game as they wanted to 
because of the, the, the limitations in the offensive line. And that could just lead to unlocking even more productivity from Joe Burrow. But that's Mike Renner. This has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast, a primer to the 2022 draft class with one of my favorite experts in the field. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.